All right, so I just want to take a little minute out of our uh, of our program. Um, we got some uh, some disturbing news on uh, Tuesday night. Um, so you know, sometimes with me and Allison, we kind of record these uh, episodes in advance. You know, don't spoil the gimmick, brother. But um, you know, we got some tragic news when it comes to the uh, the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, tragic news just in general of people's lives getting lost. You know, on this show, you know, we do talk a, you know, a bit about 1980s pro wrestling. You know, every once in a while, we'll talk a little bit about the the current um, wrestling landscape. You know, maybe how it compares to the 1980s in some um, form or fashion. But, um, so this past Tuesday, uh, one of the rest- wrestlers, Jay Briscoe, was in a fatal car accident. Um, around his um, hometown, um, two trucks um, head-on collision with the 27-year-old Lisa, I believe her name was, um, and then both of the Jay Briscoe's daughters were also in uh, emergency care as well. Which we did hear, at least um, on that side, that they are, uh, you know, doing better and uh, you know recovering. But uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when uh, me and uh, Allison both got the news. I mean, I, we were just talking back and forth about, you know, some stuff we were going to be doing on the shows. And we were talking about a concert going to, and then I just got a text message, and I text him, and it was just, it was crazy. So, yeah, I was just saying, like, you know, I just want to take some time, just do our, you know, our thoughts and our prayers, or with, of course, the uh, his family and everything. Uh, but I was just going to do some, you know, thoughts. I know, uh, Allison, you probably watched... Um, Jay Briscoe's career probably a little sooner than I did. Did you want to take um, take some t- time to talk about some of the your fondest memories of that? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like one of those things. Like, it's really weird to be bothered this much by somebody that that you don't really know. Like, I didn't know Jay, um, but. You know, I'd seen so many Ring of Honor shows that I felt like I did. And, you know, like talking to him at shows, like he would even like every time they came to Concord and I went to a show, he would remember me from the last time. And, you know, I mean, that's that's I don't know. That's something, you know, Um, him and his brother, Mark, I think were one of the best tag teams ever, in my opinion. Like you can you could put them up with any with any tag team from any time. And I think they would be just as good. And people talk about FTR being like the best tag team in the world. I mean, and they're great. But to me, the Briscoe, the Briscoe brothers were the best tag team. Um, one of the best tag teams ever and probably the best, still the best tag team of today of, of modern wrestling. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of just a weird thing. Like it was like a, some weird freak accident. Like it's, you know, like a car or another truck veered into his lane and then hit hit him and his two daughters head on, and he was killed. And his daughters are both in, in intensive care. I think like they, like you were saying, they like there is progress on them. Like I think they're both awake now, not in a coma, and um, but they're going to take a lot of surgery to be able to to walk well yeah. again. Yeah, they have been um, not walking. But, oh, they have been walking now. Okay, that's yeah. that's cool. Um, so that's that's getting that's better at least. But yeah, I mean, it's like, they were great. I mean, they were just, they were, it's, it's hard to put into words how good they were. Um, like they just, it's almost like they had like this telepathic thing. Like they just knew what the other one was going to do and they would 
they were they were they were just so good. But there's all kinds of matches on um on YouTube that, that people can watch of the Briscoes. Um, there's a really good one I watched the other night because I've been watching a lot of their matches this week. That was uh, for Ring of Honor. It was the Briscoes versus uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Okada. That was really good. And there's a lot of really funny stuff in it too because they were really good at the hardcore deathmatch type wrestling, but they were also really funny. Jay was a really funny person, and they were they're both really funny. Mark is hilarious. Their 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 promos are some of the best. Oh yeah, promos of the modern era. I mean, they're so fucking good, um, and, and and they're believable, but they're funny at the same time. And I don't I don't I don't even know how to put it into words, but like yeah, I mean, because people talk about like celebrities dying and stuff like this, but like Jay Jay Briscoe wasn't really a celebrity; he was just a wrestler. And wrestlers, like a lot of people, think that professional wrestlers are like, you know, they're like professional athlete on the pay level but they're really not like you know they're 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 usually not millionaires unless they've been doing it a really long time or have been in wwe at the top or something but and indie wrestlers like jay are certainly not millionaires i mean those guys were making a pretty good living i would say but i mean you know they're not like they're just regular people with regular jobs which is one of the things that really that i like about wrestling is that you know they're even though they have a job where they're on television they're still, they still have a job They're You know, there's, they still, you know, they still have to work to make a living and it's not like, you know, they just get these big contracts and it doesn't matter anymore. Like, you know, Jay, Jay and his brother, his brother, Mark worked every week. I mean, they were working for GCW. Um, they were the current ring of honor, uh, world tag team champions. And, you know, they were going to be a big part of, uh, the new ring of honor that was about to launch. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's, it's tragic. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's only the, the good people that we lose. Yeah. It's just pretty sad. I mean, you know, with, when it comes to Bristol, you know, he made his, uh, most of his career, basically his career in ring of honor, you know, yeah. they have done, um, you know, other independents before pretty at a high level. Uh, they, they did work for impact for a little bit as well. Um, you know, the the reason they never really got into like the big time there's a couple things you know with the WWAEW obviously about those bad tweets that Jay did you know years ago which he's you well, know made it, made it was for. long before that yeah it was long before that yeah I mean and a lot of people are gonna hold that against him but yeah. I mean yeah I mean Jay I mean you know he's he said some you know stupid bullshit like anti gay bullshit but and and I mean and that sucks and I don't condone any of that shit at mm-hmm. all. But I mean, I mean, that was like, what was that 2013? Yeah, long. Yeah, it was about over like yeah, 10 2011, years ago, yeah. 2013. Yeah, so like 10, so like, and he spent like, I mean, you can ask anybody. Um, but he, you know, he spent the rest, basically the rest of his life now, you know, trying to make up for that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, they, they didn't, get, they never, they actually went to, there's actually a good promo where I'm, uh, where they're telling the truth about what happened with WWE. They went, they went to a tryout and, um, they, they said they weren't as aesthetically pleasing or something. They just didn't <laughs> like the way they looked. They were just ugly. So they didn't sign them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but they, I mean, Jay, Mark's a good wrestler. Jay was Jay's Jay's better than Mark in my opinion. Yeah. You know, if any, you know, if well, he had you know, that. Uh, I know. He had that run as the world champion in Ring of Honor as well. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, you know, and 
for all I know, you know, Mark Briscoe listens to our show. So I don't want to say Mark Briscoe is a great wrestler too, but Jay was just fantastic. He could have been at least, you know, in WWE, he could have definitely been like a, you know, an intercontinental champion or a junior heavyweight champion, not a junior head. What do they call it? U.S. champion, you know, or something like that, if not a world champion in, in WWE. But well, yeah, he, they were, I mean, he, he could have definitely been there if they had just like invested in him. Yeah. But, and I'm glad they didn't because they would have probably ruined him. Well, so there's a couple interesting, in my thoughts, some interesting, you know, about if the Briscoes ever made it to the WWE. Um, yeah. So, when I look at the the Briscoes and in, in my eyes, so I I find about I found out about them uh, a little later on, like maybe around 2014, when I started watching Ring of Honor for the first oh, wow. time. Yeah. And when I first heard about the Briscoes, I was like, why is there somebody being named like you know? Because when I think of Briscoes back then, I was like Jerry and Jack, you know, the exactly. Briscoes from the 80s that we talk about all the time on the show. So that's my first thought was, okay, are they doing like some sort of like homage to the briscoe brothers but it wasn't it was just like their own gimmick basically so you know we're listeners to our show you know when we talk about the 80s to me the briscoes remind me of the sheep herders you know not the bushwhackers (laughs) that were in the WWE with the goofy character but the sheep herders when they were like the violent crazy australian maniacs going out there and fight fighting people and shit you know what i mean and obviously they can do comedy too so i think the briscoe would be very similar to that now I don't know if they actually did sign <laughs> with the WWE. They would turn in to that. <laughs> I don't think they would even allow themselves <laughs> to turn into anything like the Bushwhackers were in the WWF. Uh, I just don't see them doing that. But, you know, they actually had a pretty interesting, um, like, uh, pretty much like a very interesting uh, ways. Because, you know, they worked for Ring of Honor, which is a pretty big promotion at the time. But I think, you yeah. know, they didn't really need to go to the big, big leagues, especially for money wise, because these guys had their own farm. They had their own like chicken. Well, that's there. true. Yeah. So they, that's you know, true. technically they didn't even like need it because they were making some good money. I heard they were making some good money doing that. Plus they're doing the wrestling. I mean, and you know, when you're doing like a ring of honor and stuff, you don't have to work as much. So they're with their family a lot more. So they actually were yeah. pretty, pretty, you know, lucky in a way where they had a solid promotion behind them. And they can have a family life as well, too, because, you know, we, t- especially when we talk about wrestlers in the 80s, like we talk about all the time. I mean, most of them on a top level when they're working for Mick, Cro- you know, for Crockett or, or the F or AW. I mean, these guys were on the road like 24 7. You know, barely right. had. That's why we see so many problems and so many crazy stories when it comes to failed marriages and all this stuff with these, with these pro wrestlers that we talk about in the 80s. But, you know, Mark and, Mark and Jay, you know, they had a, a, you know, and Mark still does, you know, a very good home life. You know, that's very, yeah, the, very rare for professional wrestlers to have, especially when they started yeah. out. Because they started out, what, around like 2000? So. I'm trying to think. When did um when did Ring of Honor start? I want to say it was 2004, but it might have been before that. Because yeah. they were basically, Jay at least was on the first Ring of Honor show. Because I know that they... Mark was underage. Yes. Uh, Mark wasn't old enough to wrestle. He was like so, 17 or um, something. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was underage. So Jay was on the show, and Mark was there, but I don't think he wrestled. And then I think for a while he lied about his age, and then and so they would let him wrestle. Um, but they were basically – they were well, not basically. They absolutely were in Ring of Honor from the day it started until the day Jay died. Um, and they – 
but yeah, like you were saying, they run that chicken farm so that, you know, they get, they get, I'm sure they make a pretty good living from that, but you know, and all that, sh- all that shit's absolutely real. Like, you know, when they talk oh, yeah. about like, and the, you know, the, like all their promos are filmed on their farm. Yes. Like their barn hmm. with their John Deere lawnmowers in the background. Yeah. And they just, you know, they, they even just, had they, that, I mean, um, they had, really yeah. had that great match, the battle of the farm or on the farm. Yeah. They had it in the barn. Yeah. They had it in the barn with the dad, with their, with their Papa Briscoe (laughs) doing the matching and stuff. That was, that stuff was awesome. And yeah, you're talking about their promos were like, I mean, these guys were just the genuine promos. Like, I mean, what you saw is what you got. You know what I mean? Like, it it was great. And they can, they can turn on, they could be funny. They could be serious. They could be dangerous. I mean, they, they could pretty much do everything. Like, as you know, we're talking about the tag team, obviously, you know, they could do everything, you know, like if you want a wild brawl, you know, you get, you'll get a wild brawl. If you want like a little comedy match, you'll get a comedy match. If you want a straight wrestling match, you'll get a straight wrestling match. I mean, they could do anything. Exactly. Anything. They can. Yeah. And then part of that match with uh, Nakamura that I was telling you about was like, so Jay's in the ring when a match starts, he's in the ring with Okada and they're just doing like, um like technical wrestling and it's it's amazing like it's stuff you don't see him do that often because he's more famous for being a brawler but uh but he could do they could but you're right they could do anything absolutely anything and i thought it was really so when i started watching you know jay like i i'm pretty sure this is when he was entering his world title phase because i remember seeing him have really good one-on-one matches with like jay lethal but my favorite one-on-one matches that he had was with adam cole when he was fighting over him yes. for the world title, especially when they had that match in New York and Jay brought all of his family together and he won the title. I thought that was awesome. Like yeah. that, that That's right great. there was actually a lot of the reasons why I got hooked on ring of honor because I really liked this guy's, you know, I really like Jay's character. I thought it was like, okay, this guy's like a, a wild street brawler, but he's a fantastic wrestler too. And he can handle like, you know, signals, signals matches and everything. And I just thought he was a really believable world champion when he was doing his, um, his run with the, the world title. So I mean, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, there's just there's yeah. just so much to say about. It. I mean, what a what a career and just like what a what a tragedy, what a what a horrible loss. Um, but you know, you see a lot of wrestlers that they influenced. You know, you can see it all across multiple brands right now. You know, WWF people, you know, had a lot of influence from Jay Briscoe. Obviously, AEW has. Um, even New Japan and Noah. You know, they work for them as well too. So. Yep. Tributes all Absolutely. around, um, and you know the Briscoe brothers as a tag team will certainly be missed. I mean, you know, even this past you know year with those three matches with FTR and just you know what you know what could have been you know later on yeah. in the future. So you know, prayers out to it, pra- prayers out to his family and everything. Absolutely, and one thing that really sucks too is that because Dynamite Dynamite this past week originally was going to be a, a Jay Briscoe tribute show, and then Time Warner wouldn't let them do it. Yes. So just because they had that thing with Time Warner about his about his tweets from ten years ago, they just absolutely would not allow them to be on television, and that just sucks. I mean, it's just it's just shitty that they couldn't do that, and they had to do a tribute show that they're going to put on on the YouTube page. Yes, but, it should be on Ring of Honor's uh, YouTube page and the yeah. Fight Club, you know, Ring of Honor um, Honor Club. It'd be Honor on Club there as well. Called, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a bad um, tragedy. So. Welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You 
want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets It is that gives the dead the appearance of life. It is not the appearance of life. It is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back! Get me back, my Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our discussions of 1980 killer objects and horror movies. Up next, if you like lakes, if you like vibrations, if you like old guys yelling at people and about these headache machines, if you like hooks that kill people, if you like 1980s dudes with earrings under one ear, boy, this is a review for you, brother. Because Retro Blood talking all about Blood Hook. That's right. You thought it was safe to go fishing? Ha! Huh. <laughs> Not in our world, brother. You, no. You're dead when you go fishing over here. Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How you feel about our fishing episode? What's up, man? Um, you know. Uh, much like real fishing, um, this was kind of long, drawn out, and sort of boring. Yeah. This movie was really long for some reason. So Maybe. <laughs> so apparently the original cut was like normal time, you know? About like right. an hour 30, probably hour 20. Yeah. It just so happened that the only copy we can see is the extended Blu-ray version. <laughs> where, where they probably added on a bunch of extra shit like they did here. Because this movie definitely dragged on certain parts, but it's pretty interesting how we go from a uh, golf course, okay, mm-hmm. to a construction a construction site, to now mm-hmm. we are at a, a, a lake, a fishing lake. So we're we're just hitting all we're just hitting everything this month. We're just hitting all the all the sweet spots to hang out. So uh, the blood hook is a very uh, fascinating uh, tale. Um, I never thought in my life I would see a killer fisherman, but hey, here we are. I mean, the only thing that was like a killer fisherman fisherman to me was like that dude who dressed up in that uh, that rain outfit, and I know what you did last summer. But hey, I was gonna say that's a killer fisherman. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But you know, I guess this is the origin story of that guy. So maybe. But. Let's get on into it. We got a lot, lot to talk about when it comes to the uh, blood hook. But before we get in, into everything, I kind of want to talk about a couple little things before we get going. You know, number one, everybody, check us out on our Facebook page. Uh, Retro Blood is a group page. I always throw extras on that show. So if you guys like want to see some extras from the show, some extra videos, some topics that we talk about here and there, I'll post a p- couple videos that I did in the past or, you know, some extra stuff. Just go check it on there. Um, we have the they have the uh, official uh, Retro Blood Facebook site, which is shows it's the link to all the podcasts are on there, and then we're gonna get the YouTube channel um, up and back and going. We'll have the mm. clips from the show, little extra stuff, you know. Everything is a work in progress, brother. It's kind of like it's kind of like Peter, okay? 
you know, Peter, after 17 years, he's going back to his uh, grandpa's fisher lake that the whole family said it was cursed, but it wasn't. Uh, well, he doesn't think it is. And he has a work to do. You know, he has to maintain everybody. has to get back his name. Kind of like the retro blood. We just have a lot of work to do. And we're going to do it just like our boy Peter. But um, how about we get into the uh, the history segment of what was going on in pro wrestling and metal music around the release date. June 19th, 1987, brother, was the release date yep. over this. And it was shown in New York City, of all things. So, a quick quick bit. There is a... This movie was supposed to be like released a year earlier, but they didn't do that because of the uh, uh, the rating of the film. So, they, I guess they tried to get it out a certain rating, and then they had to like cut a couple of things to get it out a rating they actually could show in theaters. So this yeah, is the release they were going. Yeah, this is the release date we're going to go with. It's the mm. June nineteen ninety seven. But Allison, how about we talk about what is going on in the pro wrestling first? You said you got some dueling right. shows, don't you? I do. So we're going to go back to um, this thing we often, well, not often, but sometimes do, called "Which Show Would You Rather Be At?" Um, segment. So which two shows that happen on the same day from two different promotions usually? Um, and then we go over the card and we decide which show we would have rather seen um, if we weren't watching uh, The Blood Hook. So uh, this was actually the day after The Blood Hook came out. This is the 20th of June, 1987. Um, so there were two shows. Um, it doesn't really say what promotion this is. So I'm, I'm guessing that it's um, uh, WCCW. But it's uh, at the in Houston, Texas at the Summit the world famous summit um there the show was nwa world heavyweight champion rick flair defeated michael hayes okay they they also had a tournament for the nwa western states heritage title uh which round one was shoska watley defeated buddy roberts oh okay black bart defeated sting rick steiner Battle Derry Gordy, Derry Gordy, Terry Gordy to a double DQ. Mm. Barry Wyndham defeated Chris Adams. Uh, round two, uh, Barry Wyndham defeated Shaska Watley, and the and I, I assume that it the the double DQ eliminated both the other men because that was the only other match yeah. we had. Um, <laughs> Those deadly double DQs, um, brother, they strike yeah, again. I, I guess it eliminated both men. And then uh, the finals were it was Barry Wyndham who defeated Black Bart to win the title. So he was the Western Heritage, Western States Heritage. That seems like, that like a good champion to have for a Western States Heritage champion. Oh yeah, Barry Wyndham. Well, I mean, it came down to Barry Wyndham and Black Bart, who were who were both they both had cowboy gimmicks. So <laughs> I mean, that was perfect. Right? A cowboy is winning this, right? Who else? Who else would who else would 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 hold that title? Um, <laughs> So the same night, the WWF, the F, was in Philadelphia at the Spectrum, which was a huge uh, market for them. Yes. Uh, 7,163 people attended. It was a TV taping. So we had Jerry Allen pinning Terry Gibbs, which I'm sure that was a great curtain oh, yeah. there. Um, Outback Dude. Jack de- defeated Jose Estrada. Oh, okay. Outback Jack. Oh, okay. Yeah. And That's Jose dope. Estrada wasn't he the wasn't he the guy from WWE from like I don't know maybe 15 years ago the the excuse me guy 
Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so that was that guy, I think. Uh, the Young Stallions, which consisted of Paul Roma and Jim Powers, defeated yes. the Shadows, a team I've never heard of, Randy Cully and Jose Luis Rivera. Okay. Uh, that sounds cool, though. I don't know who they are. Yeah. Then Tito Santana defeated Ron Bass via, oh. via how? DQ. Oh, yes. Uh, so Ron Bass is back on the Ron show Bass again. Ron Bass is back, brother. Getting that de- disqualification. His favorite yeah, exactly. finish. Exactly. So the, his, the show's getting better now. You can't pin his shoulders to the mat, brother. That yep. would, that would uh, no. defeat his gimmick. We have to DQ him or yeah. disqualify you him. Have to DQ. You have yeah, to DQ. You, you, you have to hit him with a cowbell the, yeah. the, from the bull rope. Yeah. Um, so the show's getting better. So Paul Orndorff fought Billy Jack Haynes to a time limit draw. Okay. Um, this has to be pretty rare for its time. And so this is 1987. The fabulous Moolah def- uh, pinned Debbie Combs, which I assume means she won. Um, so that has to be getting near the end of her career because at WrestleMania one, she was a manager. Yeah, and this is like three years later. So hey, I think she would do like uh, I think she would come in and out of doing wrestling here and there. Yeah, like true, true. Moolah. Yeah, I think she would like get an out, but like you know, full time is definitely not in her mm. cards at this particular yeah. point. I mean, she's no Mae Young who's wrestling into her 80s or whatever, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, so this match would be something I'd like to see. Kamala, the Ugandan giant, pinned Ricky Steamboat. Oh, okay. Interesting. The so Steamboat lost to Kamala, which I think was really odd. Yeah. And then you had your typical WWF main event, Hulk Hogan and Ken, and Pen, Jesus, Hulk Hogan and Ken Patera. Defeated Harley Race and Hercules, which I think would also have been a fantastic match. Wow, that is an interesting match. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen Harley Race and Hulk Hogan against each other, but maybe. I mean, I know Harley Race was, yeah, actually, yeah, because he was probably around like doing his King Harley Race gimmick maybe around this time. Mm -hmm. And he was in the the F for a while. So that that actually would be a pretty good, uh, solid match. I'm pretty sure they did fight, but I don't know if there were like some big. Hulk Hogan rival during this particular because you know like after you know basically this is like when WWE was really hot at this time because oh, they yeah. just came off of WrestleMania three, which happened exactly. back in March. So now we have like this big gap into the into the Survivor Series. Um, I think around this time Hulk was kind of feuding with Kamala on their weekly show, but you know they yeah spice it up. You know, I, I I assume like a pretty good like filler month or something for Hulk Hogan would have been a pretty good like rival against Harley Race because they could definitely mm-hmm. have been some fun matches. For sure. So I don't know. What do you think? Which show would you rather be at? Right. Those are both pretty hot shows. <sighs> it kind of depends. So these are always a little difficult just because it just depends how old I am. So if I am like how I am now, my 37-year-old yeah. of gray craziness, <laughs> I would definitely go into that. Uh, I think that does it. I think that was a WCCW show, or at least sponsored by them. I mean, because yeah. you know, Ric Flair versus Michael Hayes, hot match. They always mm-hmm. had really good matches. You get to see a young Sting in there. Barry Windham yep. was a very solid, great wrestler. Cowboy gimmick. You know, it's kind of like it's it's a little bit tough. It's kind of like you know, seeing the WWF and AEW today. You know, right. WWF has great stars. Really good storylines most of the time. Matches are not too bad, but, you know, can the match quality really be as exciting as AEW? And that's how I feel about this show. Like, we have the WWF. Obviously, they have big stars. You know, Hulk Hogan, big star. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Harley Race, you know, a huge legend, NWA legend. Um, you know, we have the Young Stallions, a nice hot young team and shit doing it. So they, they are hard shows to to match, but I think the actual, you know, especially for a house show, like the, I think the in-ring quality would have been a lot better at the uh, WCCW show. So I personally probably would have gone to that one. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I can only think about it as my self today but i mean i don't know maybe if somebody was like you know in in 1987 if somebody had said hey do you want to go see hulk hogan or no i don't know i would have still said i want to see well the thing is it's kind of tough because i mean wrestlemania 3 was huge you know what i mean so like more eyeballs were on that than almost any kind of wrestling so maybe a lot of you know us during that particular time period wouldn't even know about WCCW unless we're like a hardcore fan but you know me and Allison like to put ourselves in like the hardcore fans perspective because yeah. you know we're hardcore fans of that today so I think mm-hmm. if I'm putting myself in there how I am today I, even though the F is the bigger style promotion I would still like that hard hitting southern style wrestling brother a little bit more than I would like the fancy pantsy cartoonish characters not to say i don't like that i would still watch the f like i do you know right now but i think when I, when you're going to a show i think i think you know you need a lot of mixture of styles when it comes to like matches and stuff and that's what i like about AEW. that's what i like about other promotions they kind of give you a little bit different it's like style matchups and stuff not you know because when you go to like a wwf kind of show like, you do have different characters, and it's more character-driven. The matches are usually almost the same. You might get a good match here and there that's a little different. But most likely, they're going to be, like, kind of structured the same. So, that's why I like, you know, the other kind of promotion, because it's all, like, different. Like, different style matches. We'll see some luchadors over here. We'll see some big guys over mm-hmm. here. We'll see some uh, really good mat technician wrestlers over here. It's just different. So. True. It is different. Um and, and, you know, I, I like the hard-hitting stuff better because, you know, when I was growing up in wrestling, I've mentioned this a million times, but I'll, I'll say it a million more, I'm sure, is that, you know, Crockett, Jim Crockett Pronotions was what I could watch. And it was way more, I guess we'll use the term hardcore, than WWF. WWF, like you were saying, was cartoonish. Hulk Hogan was a cartoon. Um, and, you know, so you had Hulk Hogan being a cartoon on one side and then the other side you had you know magnum ta you know stabbing tully blanchard in the face with a chair leg you know and then bleeding all over the so like you know the hardcore thing was just what i was used to so to me even then that would have probably been a better show but hogan was so big that like every kid wanted to see Hulk hogan so i don't know I don't know how it would have felt at the time. Yeah, it'd have been it been a it would have been a tough choice if we got to you know choose which one we wanted to go to. Obviously, they're in two different states at the time. So, but yeah, absolutely, definitely a lot of fun shows. I like this era of 1987. I think it's a lot of. I think this era is very fun when it comes to pro wrestling. There's just a lot of mm. a lot of stuff going on around this era that's like very interesting and just a lot of hot. This is like this is peak WWF and this is like really good like uh, Crockett. And very good, you know, WCW at this time. Like, it's it's getting it's getting good. But uh, what are we going to be listening to to go to Blood Hook and go to all these wrestling matches? What kind of, what, what are we listening to, Allison? So we've, we've talked about this band before, but they released a live album the same week that this album came out. Oh, okay. Um, they released, um, oh, sorry, I should tell you the band. The band is Judas Priest, oh, one of the best. Yes. 
heavy metal bands of all time. In my opinion, Judas Priest kind of defined heavy metal to me. Um, you know, they like I think I heard somebody say this recently that Black Sabbath was heavy, but Judas Priest was metal. And like to me, like playing the Sentinel or a song like that from Judas Priest, like that defines what metal is. And this was like this was released like after Judas Priest started getting really big. So they had a really, really long career. Like they were playing in the 70s, but they didn't get really big until about 1980, probably. And then from 80, 85, 86, 87, they were huge. They were just an arena band. So um, this album was recorded, um, and strangely, in both of our uh, stomping grounds in a way. So it was recorded in two different places, recorded at the Omni in Atlanta, and at the Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. So it's like part of it they recorded, you know, where you're from, and part of it they recorded kind of near where I'm from, sort of, in a way. I know it's a stretch, but it, it, we do go to Atlanta a lot. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so um, this was um, this was recorded on um, their '86 uh, tour, the Turbo Tour, and it was like the first, I think, the first thing from Judas Priest that I ever heard, which was his Priest Live album. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It's got metal gods out in the cold heading out the highway. It's got all the hits on it at the time. Um, uh, the Sentinel of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we would, we'd probably rock in this Judas Priest live album on our way to either wrestling or to seeing the blood hook. Yeah, that'd be nice. What's and your, I like, I like, um, live albums. Oh yes. I think they're pretty. What's your uh, experience with the Judas Priest? So the only, I don't. You know, personally, I don't really have too much experience with Jewish priests. I think I talked about a little bit of this before. Like, the only time I ever heard or seen or saw Judas Priest was on the, I believe it was the 2004 OzFest. That OzFest, had like, yeah. yeah that had we both like, went to that show. Yes. Yeah, mine was in the uh, the Texas, brother. And I just, oh, what stadium is it? It was like their big stadium they had over there. I forgot the, the name kind of escapes me, but... um. It was cool, like they, you know, they had the side, you know. This this show was pretty lined up. It was crazy. So the the all I remember is the side. Um, I think it had like Slipknot, um, yeah, uh, Slipknot, Lamb of God, and Hatebreed were like the three big bands on like the side stage. And then the main right. stage, if I remember, is Black Sabbath, and then yep. it was Judas Priest with with Ron Howard and uh damien bourgeois that's the only three i remember on the the main stage i think they had somebody i think they probably had like black label society because they're everywhere but um they were good though man that guy came out on motorcycle and shit screaming and stuff i was like okay these guys are pretty badass so i've never been like the biggest fan of them but i i I respect what they do (laughs) that's funny you did it again ron howard it's rob halford Oh, I did that again? Oh, shit. Yeah, Ron <laughs> Howard. I don't know why I keep calling him Ron Howard or whatever I call him. Yeah, Ron, yeah, Ron Howard is the, the director and the guy that played Opie on Andy Griffith's show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like way different. Whatever. Uh, it just cracks me up. The motorcycle that, dude yeah. with, the, with the stash. Yes. That's what he, yeah, I'm talking he, about. Yeah, he came, out, uh, he came out on the Harley at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I mean, that was an amazing show if you that think was about it. Show, like, that's yeah. something that when we tell people down the road – wouldn't believe actually happened you know it's like one of those amazing things like i hear like people telling me stories about concerts they saw in the 70s I'm like there's no way that actually happened and this is going to be one of those stories i mean we saw judas priest and the original black sabbath on the same fucking night yeah yeah i know that i mean that's amazing yeah how do you yeah that is uh 
that was a very great tour. I mean, very rare. Like, how do you, yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you say that? How do you say that you've seen Black Sabbath and Judas Priest back to back? It's pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. And we also saw Demu Borgir, I think, was on that show as well. Yep. On, on the, the main, main stage. stage. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can really remember. But I mean, yeah, that, that might have also been the last time the original Black Sabbath lineup played together because I know they got rid of, uh, the drummer whose name I can't recall, Bill something. Anyway, I think they got rid of the drummer when they got back together and made that album uh, in 2013 or whatever. Uh, I don't know if they played any shows between 2005 and 13, but uh, but yeah, that might have been the last tour the original Black Sabbath ever played together. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, but yeah, I mean, it would definitely be rock. I actually like live albums. I know a lot of people like are hit or miss on them, but I like them because, you know, to me is if the band sounds good live, I mm-hmm. mean, how could you not, you know, want to, if they sound good live, even on the CD, you know, I just like the live kind of sound to the bands. Cause you know, if they sound good live, they're on a live CD, you know, they're not, you know, they're going to be live good in person. And sometimes they, they, um, they, uh, mix up the live song sometimes even the live songs is a little better than the actual recorded one so. yeah i tend to think that they are i prefer live albums actually um iron Maiden's live after death is one of my favorite albums of all time but they're just they're, the songs seem to be played a little bit faster and they're a little bit harder a little bit harder edged and raw more raw sounding less produced and i don't know i just like that i, I love live albums i prefer them to yeah. studio albums you yeah, unfortunately, nobody on this movie with blood hook probably was a big Judas Priest fan. Maybe our boy Rodney, but he was a little bit more uh, '80s weird science looking. Yeah, dude. a little bit, a little bit new wave, a little bit new wave guy. But the band they were talking about, I was trying to do some like um, research. Where is Me it? Too. Red Echo Lab or something? Is that what they're called? Like I thought they were just called Red Echo. Yeah, and Red I was Echo. Trying to find that band. There is a yeah. band called Red Echo. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's a different band. Like I, I don't know if they're a real band or if they're just a band that was like a New York City band at the time because Troma is New York City based. Yeah. So pretty much everything they did came out of New York. Um, yeah, but it might have been know. just made for this movie. Research on that. Yeah, I did some yeah. research. I was trying to find them. I found like Red Echo. I found Red Echo Lab. But like when I was looking, I didn't see any like 80s like songs to him or stuff so you know maybe yeah. if anybody knows it i'll just shoot us a message but like hey get dark yeah, here's maybe. what they sound like yeah like somebody with with there's always mm. somebody with a big nose who knows right yeah. and they're, they're gonna they're going to uh say oh, how can you not know how can you yeah how can you not know who red echo is you must yeah. not you must hate music you must hate music you're not knowing these guys and <laughs> like bro they even had the original fucking record from like what they said it was red echo live from uh, boss we lead or something like that where was it yeah <laughs> I was like okay but uh yeah <laughs> but yeah i say let's get into uh who booked this shit who booked this shit i mean obviously you know it was booked mostly by trauma which is uh yeah you know they're pretty much known for their comedy horror over the topness of shit yeah um this That's- one this one wasn't as over the top as the shit we did last week, microwave massacre. But you know, this movie actually reminded me of the filming, filming wise and acting wise. It was actually a lot like um, Blood Beat, or no, no, Blood mm-hmm. Blood Rage. My God, Blood, Blood Rage, Rage yes. the the Thanksgiving special that we did. Um, very like, to me, it, like just the whole filming style and the whole way everything was like structured and looked. It was to me, it reminded me a lot of that film. Um, but this film was. 
uh, and you're going to like this one, Allison. <laughs> this film was directed by Jim Mallon. And do you know what Jim yes. Mallon is best known for? Yep. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes, your favorite show. He is, uh, I hate this show. <laughs> he is the executive producer of the award-winning Mystery mm-hmm. Science Theater 3000. All right. So he, yeah. So that's like his big, um, his big win. And apparently, like this movie here, Blood Hook, was his day, his his film debut from this one. So yeah. And apparently, he was uh, he he actually attended University of Wisconsin um, school. So that's probably why because this movie was supposed to be in Wisconsin at their big yeah, it at their was big, shot in Wisconsin at their big fishing. Uh, apparently it's a real thing too, like the fishing yeah, tournament really they're there. talking about. The, what is it? The muskets yeah. or something? A musky, a musky. Yeah. So that's the name of that fish. So yeah. that big fish statue or that big fish building that they went inside—that's actually there. It's still there to this day. Yeah. Um, it's the uh, musky. It's a it's a museum of some kind. It's the uh, uh, it's a hall of fame. Yeah. Um, for for that big fish. Uh, yeah, for the for that kind of. And apparently, fish. the it's tournament the, uh, that they were in is actually a real tournament. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame in Hayward, Wisconsin. There you go. Um, yeah, I lived in Wisconsin for a couple of years. Um, I wasn't really close to this. Uh, Hayward is Hayward is in the up in the Northwoods, Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, kind of in the Northwest, and I was like right on where the Northwoods would have started, like in Central Wisconsin. Kinda. So what you're telling me, Allison, you didn't join the the tournament? Over thirty thousand people were at this tournament, Allison. Where were you? I know. How how could I not be in that, right? Yeah. Um, however, if I had known that giant fish statue was there, I would have driven. It's about, it was about three hours from where I lived. I would have driven there to see the giant fish statue. Yeah. Um, it's also about an hour from where uh, Ric Flair grew up. I believe he grew up at Rice Lake. But, yeah, that's about an hour away from uh, Hayward. Nice. Maybe a young Ric Flair was at this place. We even know. Maybe. Maybe. So, a couple other things. So I couldn't really find too much about the riders. Larry, um, it, it could pretty much they kind of like, I guess it's like their known fame was here. I tried to do a little research on them. Uh, but one character I thought was pretty interesting when I was doing a little bit of my research was Mark Jacobs. He played Peter. And because I was like, I was looking at this guy. I was like, man, this guy looks a little familiar, you know. And apparently, besides making Blood Hook, all right, he was in Goodfellas. Of all movies, really? yes, he played the character Bruce in Goodfellas. He had a short role. His role was um, he played that that character Bruce, and he was the um, the husband or boyfriend at the time of the character that the main character was trying to go, go after. And he was like okay. an abusive husband, and then eventually the main character beat his ass. I forget the the movie escapes me who the main character was. Everybody's gonna look like oh how the fuck you can't I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, wasn't that uh, Ray Liotta's character the main character in Goodfellas? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Okay, I just can't. His name escapes me a little bit off the top of my head. Yeah, but, I haven't uh, seen that movie in a while. Yeah, so he, he he's done a little bit in in film before, but you know, nothing has uh, you know, nothing has uh, revolutionary has blood hook. I guess. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yes, but um, a couple little things. You know, the, uh, we were saying the film was shot in location at Hayward, Wisconsin. Over yep. a period of 35 days in the summer of 1985. 
Wow, like they were filming this movie when I was being born. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It was on a budget of. T- <laughs> this fucking blows away fucking um, <laughs> microwave massacre basket. Two hundred thousand dollars for this. Ooh. Fuck. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that money went either. It went to fucking uh, Wayne's pocket, I guess. His wardrobe. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so it took that much, and then the town's landmark giant fitter glass musket is prominently featured in the film, so. Um, so, like we were saying, Bloodhook was intended to be released in 1986, but mm. was delayed after the Motion Pictures Association of America threatened to give the film an X rating, brother. So get on out of here with that what? X rating. Which I think is weird, because, I mean, it was it was supposed to be given an X rating for violence, and, I mean, it is violent and gory, but... Yeah. I mean, we've seen much worse than this. Well, yeah, nowadays, but you know, back in the eighties, no, even had then, even then, I mean, I think we've seen much worse than this. That is true. I mean, Hellraiser was a lot worse than this shit. Yeah, and it got an R rating. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe they couldn't handle the. Uh, I mean, there's only one nasty scene was like when he like he hooked a. F- was it Finical or not Finical? Finnels. Finical. <laughs> yeah. Finnel. Yeah, I think that's his name. All right. When he when he fucking gutted his face and hooked his mouth, that was kind of messed up. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, we've seen like there's been like you know a lot more crazier, gory movies that probably got way more production. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth were a little bit more gory than this shit. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, you know. I guess he. I'm guess the. I maybe just the way it was shot and everything. Who knows? But you know, you know, you never know how they're going to be at, reacting off that. But everybody, I say, let's get to the full review of the Blood Hook. Ah, it's summer, and it's time to relax and enjoy the world's most popular recreational activity: fishing. What'd you catch her on? My earring. A sport as challenging as it is exciting. Right up for bait. Yes, it's Bloodhook. And fishing was never like this. Bloodhook casts you into the heart of the world's famous musky madness fishing contest. It's him! It's him! He's doing it! It's various contestants. We're all like time bombs waiting to go off! Boom! And the one fisherman who's the most unique fisherman of them all. (laughs) The master fisherman. (laughs) This master caster will teach you all the angles. He'll reveal his prize-winning methods for selecting and preparing his own bait. Yes, fellow anglers, this is your chance to learn the art of planting your hook and riding in your catch. So come on down. And join the master at this most delightful pastime. Blood hook. Where the catch of the day is you. Bloodhook is filled to the gills with a talented cast of young new stars. It is lavishly produced by David Herbert. 
and expertly directed by James Mallon. See Bloodhook and learn all the tricks for catching even the most elusive species. And more. So pack up your gear and get ready for a most unusual fishing expedition. Bloodhook. You can't worm your way out of this one. See Bloodhook. Fishing was never like this. Fishing is rude. So we're starting off. We see a kid, like, getting lowered down on this fucking, like, what do you call that thing? It's like a, a machine lift. I don't know what that is. I was going to ask you if you knew what it was. It just seems like a really odd thing to have. Well, I'm guessing. Like, so the only thing I could think of is I guess they're by this lake, right? And they have like a lake house. And may, I guess they can't like walk downstairs to get to the gate, uh, lake pond area where they do the fishing. They have to go by like lift to lift them up well, from their house or something. I mean, I guess. But I mean, like they could surely just walk down steps to get there. But or maybe there was no step. I, I don't maybe but i mean it seemed like it would be cheaper to build steps than it would be to to buy that thing and have it installed but i don't know maybe it moves like boats or i don't know maybe it moves boats or something down no because the, these people were on there oh i know it just showed us people on there but her, yeah. i don't know i don't know what that thing is i thought i thought I first no we're gonna idea. have some sort of wheelchair character but no but, right but it's there so this kid um he is waving to his grandpa grandpa's playing <laughs> A fish song. A fish song. I'm yes. going fishing for you. Fishing for. I was like, this real? So he's, oh, he's playing this fishing, he fishing. song, and, he, and the kid goes up. He's like, like, what is that, Grandpa? I was like, oh, this this is a this is a tape machine. Here's how it works and everything. And he shows him how it works. He goes, speeds it up a little bit, slows it down, and then like this like noise happens with it. I was speaking that we were going to go over that, uh, the the noise effect. Um, but we can go over that here in a second. So it goes over like this noise, and the grandpa freaks out a little bit, and then he eventually just falls right into the lake. And then the, the kid's for looking at reason. him. Yeah, for some reason, looks in there, and he just goes away. And then we get 17 years later. Yeah, the mm-hmm. famous 17 years later. Yeah. You know, all that time's passing. So now we meet the whole cast of characters that are going to be with us for the whole film. So we have, you know, this is very set up. We have kids going to a lake, automatically in their heads thinking, ah, this is going to be like fucking Friday the 13th, which, yeah, a little bit was. Kind of was. So these kids there, we have our main character, Peter, who was the kid from 17 years ago. All right. We have his girlfriend, Anna, who is like, uh, rationalized girl. I guess she does a lot of like psychology on people. Yeah, she's like the psychology girl. Yeah. yeah. We have um Rodney, who is like if like if you're gonna make an '80s guy, like this is what he was. And he actually <clears throat> talked us. Uh, to be honest with you, he sounded exactly like Matt Riddle during this whole film. Right. <laughs> and then well, we, yeah, because Matt Riddle has that whole like 1980s like stoner. Yeah character right he he sounds like uh like he's in fast times at ridgemont high yes <clears throat> and then we have um tom Finnelman that has known as finner or fucking dumb finner hey finner finner hey finner what a fucking dork 
And then we have... I mean, especially um, in a fishing movie. Yeah. Hey, Finner. And then we have uh, Christine, who is like the 80s chick with the, you know, the the bratty 80s chick with the spray hair and stuff. <clears throat> and they're talking about, like, you know, going out to this fishing house. And then we get some plot where they're like, hey, you know, what, <laughs> wasn't this like your fucking uh, grandpa's house? They're like, yeah, my whole family thinks it's cursed and stuff, but it got inherited to me. And I'm 21 now, so... <clears throat> I just check it out and stuff and see what it's all about. Yeah. My dad never went here, but na- and I never went here either. After uh, my uh, grandfather heard the noise and fell in the river, but yeah. so nobody's been there in like 17 years. Is that the well, M16? Well, nobody in his family has been there. Oh right, okay, I got you. Yes, and then of course Anna's going on saying like, yeah, we need to go here so he can work out his trauma for his freaking house and shit. Yeah. Okay. So then after this, we uh, we cut to a scene where we actually see one of our big characters in the film, Laura, uh, Leroy Legout, is in this yes. film. Was it? Yes. Okay. Leduc. What is it? Leduc. Or something like that. Yeah, it's like Leduc. And we see Leduc's live bait. So he's basically much like a fisherman's house where he sells like, you know, fish bait yeah. and stuff like that. This family rolls up. This fucking guy was so... He was like, hey, man, where's your road signs out here? I fucking paid tax dollars for this shit. And the guy's like, oh, I can write you a map. <laughs> and then this kid's, like, super annoying. And then uh, uh, Leroy eventually gives him, like, a... Uh, what is it, a stud finder? Yeah, I thought that was so <laughs> weird. He's like... Yeah. He, he gives the kid a stud finder. Like, the kid would be super interested in a stud finder. And he's just yeah. like, I always... He's like, I always seem to know where the where they where they are, which is yeah. not. So I don't need it. And then of bizarre, course the yeah. um the dad is asking for some bait, and the guy's yeah. like, hey, it's on me. And <laughs> this is a great part of the film. He's like, all right, you guys go out there and fish stuff. You know, go out there and fish is okay, but you got to respect the water. Yeah, you fucking assholes. Otherwise, it'll <laughs> it'll play a, it'll play like a big loud sound, and you'll uh, fall on and die. Apparently. Yeah, it's like looking all um, evil when he does it. I, I really did. I really did like uh, Leduc's, uh the guy that played him. His his fake Wisconsin accent that was really funny. Don Winters, that's the actor's yeah. name. Yeah, he's pretty people, good. I like his facial that expressions. Is, that the, the way he talks is, is that is the way those people talk. I mean, like that's that's what their accent is like. Yeah, it's like Canadian light kind of, but um, but yeah, but but he was obviously putting it on, but um, but yeah, it was that was kind of funny. Yeah, he was a good character. He wasn't my favorite character. We're gonna get to him soon. Oh yeah. So we had the kids. They were now at the uh, I called it a fish fair because it looked like they were right outside that big ass <laughs> fish that we were talking about earlier. Fish they're having some. <laughs> it's a fish fair, I guess. So we have a character named Denny. Mm. All right, he is all about the casting. Like, he can cast the best. Like, he is, like, challenging people. He's like, hey, dork, come over here. See if you can cast better than me, brother. And he's, like, the uh, yeah, casting so, bully. So, Finner <laughs> shows up, and he brings out his fucking fish pod. He has a little tassel <laughs> on it. The guy makes, hey, did you get that off your tricycle? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then, of course, Finner casts, and he makes it. And, of course, Danny gets all, hey, you cheated and shit. Get, you know. And then we have Peter. He tries to cast. He sucks at it. And he gets his fishing pole and the guy's cup. And then this is when we run into our another character we're going to find out, Beverly. Beverly mm-hmm. BV. Her, I guess she goes as BD. No, BV. BV. Say that 10 times fast. 
BBD. BBD. And she's all like impressed with Finner's stroke. Yeah. Handle. His pole. His pole, <laughs> his, <laughs> his pole handle, brother. And then uh, she is, you know, introducing herself um, to the whole crew. And they, so now the whole crew, they arrive at Peter's like house. Yeah. And there's like this guy who I swear his name is evil <laughs> during the whole fucking movie. Apparently his name is Evelyn. I was like, no, it's not. It's evil. He kept, yeah. they said evil. Okay. Don't yeah, get... yeah. I thought that was really weird, but his name is Evelyn apparently, yeah, which Evelyn. I've never heard of as a, as a man's name, but yeah, but we're a non-judgy podcast. So yeah. whatever. So this guy is a conspiracy theory dude. Crazy and he's person, listened yeah. to, he's on a lawn chair with his gun listening to this radio show and he kept marking out saying like, ah, this gun, this gun, this gun. Like they, nobody right. can guess the gun, but he can. So, <clears throat> so Finner goes and talks to evil and the guy's going on about how he hates his radio show. He's a crazy guy, you know, talk about these vets and you know, all this like probation and stuff like that. And then, um, Eventually, Rodney, he's like chopping some wood and then Peter freaks out on him saying like, hey, what the fuck you doing? And then um, <clears throat> I forgot to mention my my favorite character in the film is this character named Wayne. All right. The Wayne is the guy with like, so I couldn't tell if he was actually an old guy or if he was a young guy and they just spray painted his beard and his hair like white, you know, with the earpiece. Because we see him. At the beginning, at the during the fish fair, while Rodney is playing his music and he's like going up to him, like, hey, turn off that fucking headache machine, brother. Get on out of here, yelling at people. <clears throat> so he's there, and we and we get introduced to Wayne, and apparently Wayne was Peter's uh, granddad's like best friend, and after Peter's granddad died, Wayne was the caretaker of Peter's granddad's fish lake house. Well, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Um, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say that the headache machine. Yeah, so he tells him to turn off the headache machine. It reminded me, it reminded me of you, Allison. Machine, yeah. Well, <laughs> come on. Anybody, anytime anybody complains about something, it's, it you always, it always see it reminds me. Of, you go to somebody, somebody's, somebody's playing some music. Get off that shit, brother. Get that headache like, machine out of here. That doesn't sound. That does not at all sound like me. But anyway, the headache machine. The headache <laughs> machine should be like a finishing move. Like for wrestling. Oh yeah, that would be a good one. The yeah. headache machine, brother. That's like a it's like a different style pile driver. <clears throat> yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, so, yeah, he tells them to turn off the headache machine. Yes. And then like they're all like going off on each other. And then he's and then like, you know, eventually Peter's like, All right, man, let's everybody calm down stuff. So then Peter's like, Okay, let's all like get back inside and like, you know, they got these all a bunch of crazy neighbors over here. So, you know, so they all get back into like the house and stuff, you know, and they're all like looking around and everything. And, <clears throat> you know, Peter's there like talking about like how, you know, how weird the Wayne guy was. And then like Anna, she's like going through like books and stuff. And eventually she finds a record and the record is like a, a fishing for her love record. She starts to play it a little bit and Peter has like a little weird look on his face. And he goes out and reminisces and has some flashbacks about the lift from the first movie. Yeah. So we're seeing that the song has like, you know, it's a plot point in this, in this film. So all the kids are eating dinner and they're all saying all kinds of shit. Like they're talking about music. 
they're talking about um, videos, and we can see that Kirsten, she is flirting a little bit with Peter, even though she came to the fucking place with uh, Rodney, she's starting to flirt a little right. bit with uh, with Peter, saying how hot Peter was. Of course, Anna's looking at her like, "What the fuck, bitch!" Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, and then you know, <clears throat> we uh, uh, Finner wants to go to the jukebox and see what. No, Rodney wants to go to the jukebox and see what's on his family. That family from earlier that were complaining about the signs and stuff. The wife yeah. was looking at Rodney very weird, like she couldn't believe what she was seeing with her own eyes. Seeing why is this guy wearing all this weird '80s gear and one earring shit? And then she's she's like going on about a bird, the loon. Yes, the loon. And she kept making like <laughs> the loon sounds. I was like, is that why we hired her? Because she could do that sound with her. She could make loon sounds. Yeah, yeah she could make loon weird. sounds. That's why we hired her. So apparently, like, uh, um. Rodney comes back and he's playing something, and I guess he, it was a song called "Dead Dentist." All right, I don't know if these are like, like real dead dentist, dead dentist, or something like that. And they're going on and making fun of him about it. Uh, yeah. So, so basically, Finner right now he's like the third wheel. So he's like saying something about an owl, and then he's gonna leave. Like these, these, I don't know if it's just me, but maybe like you know. This 1980s like talk track and stuff like it's like they had to have like into windows about everything. Hey, yeah. like, the well, owl is a loner and stuff, and now I'm gonna leave. I'm like, what the? I think a lot of this stuff was the stuff they added back into the movie because it just drags on and on and on. Oh yeah, no. talking about this bullshit that means nothing. Oh yeah, you want to see some dragon? We're about to get there. So Peter yeah. is now. Um, so Peter's. Uh, uh, Andy says, Colin, like, she's, she's saying that Fender's a little weird and stuff. Like, you know, he just, he acts like a little weird. He might have some mental problems that we don't know about or something like that. Which I didn't really see any fucking mental problems with the guy. But apparently, like, she's like hinting that, hinting that he's not all right in the head. Uh, so now we see that wife from earlier. She's complaining to her husband about how she didn't, I guess, like, she's not having fun on this fishing trip. The husband doesn't give a fuck at all. He's like, I just came here to fish. I don't give a fuck where you go. You can go back to your sister's aunt's house with those stupid... Right. And then she's complaining where she can't, like, hear her birds or whatever. So she leaves, and, like, the son's, like, making fun of her the whole time. Like, yeah, why don't you get out of here? Why don't you get out of here? And stuff. So eventually, the the wife, she leaves. All right? And she goes outside. I guess she was about to leave the whole lake town to go to her sister's house. And then she starts hearing that bird. And she's like... Bird talks back to her, to the bird. And he keeps doing the sound of the sound. And eventually she gets hooked by the blood hook. Fisher hook. Yeah. Our first blood hook victim. And then Peter, he's getting like four beers. And he just so happened at the time to look outside to see, witness everything. And then eventually when the wife gets dragged into the water, he looks on a little bit. But he thinks he might be kind of drunk or crazy. Because he doesn't know what he sees. And of course, Anna comes up. Hey, Peter, what's going on? What did you see? Like, what? How did you know? Looking at something. And Peter's like, oh, I'm not sure what I've seen. And of course, the, the the husband guy was there too, saying, Oh, he just seen shit because he's too drunk. And then uh, the Anne character, like every time, like the Anne character talks to Peter, she like uses her like psychology on him. Like, Oh, Peter, you're only seeing that because you're reenacting trauma. Oh, Peter, you're only doing this because of this trauma, trauma stuff. 
And I was like, boy, that can get super annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Like everything is like trauma. Yes. (laughs) So Peter is now playing his piano. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that he has to go by the restaurant. And this is when Anna's doing some more of her psychology on him. Uh, Talk about loyalty and how, like, um, you know, like how she she's not sure. Peter's not sure if he can live up to his grandpa's legacy. And they're also talking about them meeting like a sheriff, which I didn't see, but maybe they did for a second or something. <laughs> I don't remember that. Either. And now Anne's basically saying like she's basically like fucking going off on this guy in her own suite. So a, a couple things, you know, this Anne character. Like she, have you ever you watched Married with Children, right? Yeah, she sounds just like Darcy, like just the way she speaks. And I thought it was, I thought it was her, like the actual person who played Darcy. It wasn't. Oh wow! But yeah. they sound to me, they sound exactly alike. I was like, I was like crazy. That's really weird. I never, I wouldn't have thought of that. But yeah, you're yeah. Right. Well, I've been it, watching it, a lot of Married with Children exactly lately. <laughs> great show. It's a great show. Great show. Al Bundy is my spirit animal. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) So she's going on to Peter, like saying, like, oh, you know, Peter, you just don't got like no like ambition. You just don't, you know, you want to be in music, but yeah, you don't write no music. You see some crazy shit, you don't report to the cops. And then like Peter's like, well, come on now, the fucking you, no, like you know, he's being a little bitch about it, huh? And uh, and then this this is when Peter leaves, and this is when we have. Kirsten, she is now flirting a little bit with Peter about his music. So we're seeing some some coral over there. So it's the next morning. We have Finner. He is talking to Rodney about, um, you know, so about fishing. Like he wants to go out and do some nighttime fishing. And uh, Rodney's just talking about how, like, he he's wearing, like, cool shit and stuff like that. So, also, they're also going on about saying, like, you know, Peter is also saying, like, you know, hey, guys, don't take my, don't touch my grandpa's stuff. I was like, okay, that's so fucking weird. And then eventually we see um, uh, Finner and Ronnie, they're out in the boat fishing. All right. And Ronnie is being totally Matt Riddle over here. I don't know if I could do a good, like, stoner guy. Let me see. Let me try. Yeah, bro, like this shit, I can't even, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, man, like I'm like fucking throwing the pole in the water and stuff, and I'm pulling over the fish and stuff. This is so wild, man. I can't, this is so crazy. It's almost better than sex, man. I mean, fuck, bro, like this is so uncool that it's cool, bro. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, bro. Yeah, I did, you know, I did okay. So he's going on the whole time, and then eventually we find out that Finner can't swim, okay? Mm -hmm. And... They, um, so now they, and they actually caught a fish during this whole process. So they caught like one of those big musket fishes and shit. And then while they did that, uh, Beverly shows up. All right. And they all see here. They all come up to her on the boat and everything. She's running. Uh, she says like, Hey, you know, we're out here just fishing everything. Uh, they're all talking about the contest, how they want to win the $5,000 prize. All right. And she is basically saying, oh, okay, guys. Well, hey, you can come eat breakfast at my house if you want to. Oh, by by the way, my coach wants me back. And apparently her coach was her young kid. 
And she, she left the kid in like the cradle while she ran. So they go back inside, they eat, you know. So we have Finner, we have Ronnie, we have Beverly. And and Finner's like, so you just leave that kid outside where you read? What if, are you, aren't you scared he's going to be eaten by a bear? And she's all like, well, I don't feed him sweets, so it's okay. Oh, yes, it's fine. And then she's basically, she goes on telling her stories, being like, yeah, you know, I got to do my workout and stuff. You know, I'll leave the kid out there while I do it because that's the only time I do it. Uh, his fucking his fucking beer can dad's out around to take care of the kids, and I have to. And then during all this, Rodney finds um, the, the album uh, from uh, from our from the band we couldn't figure out, Eco Eco Red or Red Eco. Red Red Echo, yeah. Red Echo, yes, Red Echo. Um, a live album, and Finner's like, "Oh, this is my favorite album." And then Beverly's like, that was my husband's favorite album. It's just like, I got to leave with the kid. And they just leave. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. So Peter is, Peter and Anna are like by the lake, like looking around. And eventually we see like this like prize fish there. Um, I guess it's like one of like the, the fishes. Uh, so... I- yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a scene also too where we have that Danny character. So the Danny character, you know, the guy with the really good casting, he is apparently a cheat. So he tried to cheat and put like a special like device on a fish that he caught to make it like a little heavier. And Wayne came in there and doesn't like cheaters. So apparently during this Wisconsin battle of finding these fishes. Uh, there's a lot of competition there, and people are very dangerous fighting for this shit. So we're having uh, everybody just kind of like hanging out by the water. Beverly's working out by the lake. Kids by the lake just hanging out, playing with his floating and everything. And eventually, the deadly hook hooks the flotation device of the young Beverly's child. And the kid freaks out a little bit, gets some blood on him. Beverly sees it and starts freaking out that there's blood. And I couldn't tell if it was the kid's blood or I think it might have been blood from the hook was on there. Yeah, I mean, the kid didn't seem like she was injured. Yes. So now Rodney is now he's talking to Leroy. And Rodney is asking Leroy for some fish gear. All right. And he's saying that he caught like a 40-pound, you know, fish um and he's just like you know going on about all kinds of stuff and so and then he goes on saying like um so excuse me so ronnie meets up with wayne all right ronnie wants some fishing gear wayne tells him basically to go fuck off okay ronnie is just super like matt riddle hey bro i'm okay man like I, I'm just cool, bro. You know, just just look at me. I got this style and stuff. Like I might look like a cartoon and stuff, but that's the style. And he just tells him to go fuck off. And he he's like, okay, well I'm gonna go talk to that Leroy guy. And he's like, oh yeah, I heard that you and Leroy were friends before and stuff. And Wayne kind of blows him off about it. So then Rodney goes to Leroy. He's talking to Leroy about, hey, you used to be friends with that Wayne's Wayne guy, didn't you? He's like, yeah, we used to be friends and stuff, but you know. He said, we're still kind of friends, but we don't, don't really talk to each other, especially around this 
particular season because everybody's in competition mode. And then this is when Ronnie finds a bullet saying, man, you guys guys used to shoot fish or something over here. And then then this is when Leroy goes on this huge story. He's like, oh, yeah, that bullet. Yeah, see what happened was Wayne and uh, Peter's grandfather, um, they they used to be fishing parties together. Van Cleese is the last name of the Peter's heritage. Van Cleese. So they used to catch fish, and to get the fish, they would shoot them. And apparently one day, Wayne accidentally shot Van Cleese, and they were saying that the bullet, they didn't take the bullet out, they just kept it in his spine. And I was just thinking, I mean, that fucking grandpa looked like he was walking around fine, so I don't know what's going on over here. Yeah, this story sounds ridiculous to me. Yes. But hey. I mean, what, I mean, what are we watching, right? Yes, so. and then, so, Leroy is trying to make it seem like Wayne shot him out of revenge. So that's why, like, they have, like, this, like, big rival with each other. And Ronnie is just like, cool, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then Leroy is, like, saying, like, hey, Go by the down by the lake over there to the south. That's my hidden fishing spot. You should be there, and you'll find all the good fish over there. And Ron is like, oh, sweet. Will do. One thing you'll notice yeah. is that there's absolutely nothing happening in this movie at this point. No. There's literally like, like nothing. We haven't even gotten to the bloodhook killing yet. Yeah. Like, well, like, the bloodhook has appeared once, I think. But, like, it's... There's still... There's just nothing happening in this movie. Like, <laughs> well, I think they're, like, trying to give us some backstory... But it's like very drawn out backstory and dry, and like yes. you could tell, like there needs to be about at least twenty minutes cut out of this movie. Yes. So Anna and Christine are talking about Anna's med. Talk about filler. We're talking about her meditating, and she's complaining about how boring it is over here in the lake. There's nothing going on, and then she's talking about how Peter is ignoring her, and she's getting all mad. And then Anna gives some more of her psychology of why Peter's being all mad. And that was the whole, and she's all talking about trauma. And then uh, eventually Christine was like, oh, I don't know if it was trauma. I think it looks like he's just out here to fish. Okay. So now we have Ronnie. He is now looking for Finner and he wants to do the fishing, but Finner's not around because Finner's probably running with Beverly and he's all pissed off. And then now Ronnie grabs the boat. He's like taunting Danny. You know, that cheater fisherman guy. And then eventually Finner, uh, we see Finner actually is running with Beverly because, you know, he's trying to hit that. Uh, Ronnie's on the boat alone. He's playing some music, chilling. He actually, like, swam with jeans on, which I was like, bro, why? (laughs) Like, the worst. Yeah. I would never swim with jeans. It's not easy either. No, it's not easy. Yeah, jeans fill full of water and they get heavy. Yeah. I was like, damn, bro. So he's sitting there, and then that's when we see the the casting of the, the, the hook. It gets onto Ronnie's belly, and he's like fighting throughout the whole machine. Then we eventually see him get grabbed right into the lake. So there goes our boy Rodney. Peter and Anna are hanging out again. Uh, Peter's talking about. Um, so this is when he's talking a little bit about like sounds and stuff, like different sounds. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, cause he's, I guess, uh, so, so like they're outside, like eating dinner or eating like lunch at like this, like little restaurant They hear like sirens 
And then Peter's going on about different sirens and different sounds. Like, you know a little bit more about this than I do, Allison. Like, I bet there, there's some sort of, like, frequencies or certain sounds that can, like, trigger people's heads. Well, yeah. I mean, this will come up in the plot a little bit later. At this point, he's basically just talking about... So, basically, Peter has perfect pitch. So, P- Peter can... Um, hear a note and tell you what it is. And there are people that really can't do this and it's amazing, but like you can, he can just, he can hear any note and tell you what note it is. Um, like he can hear a siren and tell you what note it's playing. Um, and this, it'll, and like, this is actually the only good, the only real good part of the movie to me was like where he was talking about, there's a lot of music theory in it where he's talking about like the devil's tritone and things like that. That'll come up later, which we can either talk about now or we can talk about later. Well, he, he brought it up. He brought up it up a little bit right here. Just when, but he, well, gets, he, he gets talk more about it. All right. When they're sitting yeah. at the restaurant, right. He's talking yeah. about the tritone. So yeah. basically, so you can have like, um, um, like a full octave pitch, which would be a perfect chord. And then you can have a tritone, which is like a diminished chord. So a, what he's talking about is what they call the, uh, so a tritone used to be called a devil, like a devil's chord. So it was, it was, it's, it's very dissonant and they used it a lot in like thriller movies and horror movies to get to make, to put you at, on edge. But, um, and it used to be out, it used to be banned in like classical music because they thought that it, it, it like brought the devil into the world and made people crazy. But like, I can give you an example, like with my synthesizer, if you want to hear it, but like, so like a perfect chord or a perfect octave would be like C to C. So this is C. Uh, so that's C. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's C. And then so a C to another C and another octave would be like something like this. So that's a perfect chord. And then like halfway through that octave would be the tritone, which would be like F sharp. So if you went from this to this it's kind of you see how it's kind of like negative sounding yeah so it'd be like going from like which would be for really like it would kind of like kind of kind of put you on edge kind of but that's what he's talking about and it comes into the movie later on yeah but uh yeah i just wanted to kind of give the people out there uh hopefully a less dry explanation of what that is than, than he gets. Cause oh, yeah. this guy, I mean, what he's saying is true, but you can tell this guy does not play an instrument and he's just reading something he doesn't understand off a sheet of paper. Yeah, pretty much. Well, then again, his character was a, uh, a magician who doesn't write any music. Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah. So after we cut, we get some speech about that. The kids now see the boat where Ronnie was supposed to be on. They find blood and they find bullets on it. And the sheriff is yep. there too, and eventually, like um, Peter sees the bullets, like, "Oh, this is a bullet to an M16. That evil guy had a fucking M16. Cop, you gotta go over there and arrest his ass." Sheriff's like, "Okay, I'm not sure about this." Like, it's like, "Well, I'm going over there," and then the sheriff agrees to go with Peter uh, to to grab um, to grab evil and see what's going on with this, because I think like maybe um, evil was trying to kill somebody because he talked about shooting people. And this is the first time where Peter uses, oh, are you just going to write that down? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait wait till he gets it. Classic line. Yeah, classic. 
so now, um, so now the dad's, uh, <laughs> this is a random scene, that dad from earlier, he's trying to like put his boat in the water and he almost like runs over Wayne with the boat. Yes. Uh-huh. So, so now they go back to the, the house and I guess they see, um, the M16 and then they see evil and apparently like it looks like it hasn't been used or bought or nothing. So they just go up there. You know, Peter's like, hey, you're a catch. We're going to get you. And they just come out, get the M16, and then nothing. I guess, like, they just figured out, like, oh, yeah, he couldn't have done this. He was here or something. Oh, yeah. So now um, Peter meets back up with the sheriff. Back kind of like at the fish fair. Mm-hmm. The he, fish fair, yes. He apologizes for evil. And he says, he, he said, like, you know, I need you to look into this. No, I need you to look into this murder. You know? And then, like, um, he's like, I need you to look into this murder. And I don't need you to fill out. Fill out your forms. Oh, okay. And then, mm-hmm. um, then, then the sheriff goes off. Listen, I got a town over here of thirty thousand people coming in for this big musket tournament. I can't be telling everybody about no murder. You know, there's only a couple of us working this whole thing. I don't want to be, be madness. <clears throat> and then it's like we haven't had a missing person here in seventeen years. No, we haven't had a murder here in seventeen years. And then Peter greens up his ga- grandfather. It's like my grandfather got murdered 17 years ago. It's like it wasn't a murder that we put that as a missing persons case. Yeah, he just disappeared into the lake. Yeah, and then of course, and of course, you know, Peter's so fed up. He's all like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, where are you gonna fill it out with your forms? <laughs> Come on, girls, he's just gonna fill out his forms." Oh, sick burn, sick sick burn there, Peter. All right. I'm- I don't know why I thought it was so funny. Uh, yeah, you're just going to fill out your forms. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, Kristen is, freaks out now, but she right, runs away because, you know, she thinks Rodney's dead, which he is. So, <laughs> Anna and Peter are now walking in the streets, and that character, Danny, comes out and just pushes uh, fucking Peter down, saying, oh, you got a 43-pound Moscow. Who do you think you are coming to this town and trying to be in the box of us? And he leaves. And this is when uh, Leroy comes up and helps Peter up. Um, then this is where we have like that kid. He's trying to like use that stub maker and like on the top of Leroy's head. So we see that Leroy's head has like a bump on it. Okay, so now uh, Kirsten, she's upset. She's going down the little like lift, and she's like, "Oh, you know, this is I'm at a bad time. Nobody listens to me, and everything. And I, why is this all going to happen to me?" So she goes out there. She plays some music. And she's like floating. And this is when the killer boat shows up. And he tries to hook her. But I guess she like escapes. Like she kind of gets out of the way. Or or <clears throat> we don't know what happened. It looked like this boat was just coming towards her. And then of course during all this we see Wayne. He's out there fishing. And he caught a big one. And he said I got that bitch. Yeah so now maybe he's the killer right? Well, we're kind of hinting that he might be the killer. So we have Peter, Ann, and Finner said some of the, um, so Peter, Ann, and Finner, they're, they're like talking about, you know, they're kind of a little worried about Kristen and they're at the, the fish meet <clears throat> or the fish fair. And they, this is when we have, uh, Wayne. Um, I, apparently he weighed in his fish. And now he is the new fish record because his fish was 46 and a half pounds. So he's the new current winner. Because remember, their fish was about 43. His is 46 now. 
and he right. shakes so the kid's hand. Yes, now he's the champion, and he kind of like shakes everybody's hand and he leaves. So Finner is now going to be meeting up with Be- um, uh, Beverly because um, they're like running outside a little bit, and they go inside Beverly's house. She says, "Hey, they, there's somebody babysitting her kid." They start doing some sit-ups, brother, and you could tell there's some magic in the air. Because our boy Finner, he goes for the kiss. And well, at first, she stops doing her sit-ups. All right? He fucking touches that leg. She's like, oh, I like that. And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to show you what the fennel is all about, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so he kisses her and shit and mm-hmm. getting, getting, up in, getting up in there. So now, like, they cut the scene, right? And now she's, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I can't hang out right now and stuff. And, you know, you, <clears throat> she's, like, looking kind of weird. Like, it looked like she was, like, dissatisfied with his sex. That's what it kind of looked like. But she's, like, saying, like, you know, I can't, <clears throat> I can't hang out right now and stuff. I got some errands to run. And then Finner's, like, okay, well, I'll just do some night fishing. And he's, like, I can come back later. She's, like, oh, yeah, you could probably come back at midnight. So now Peter's there. He's worrying about Kirsten. And then this is Anna saying, she goes on this whole psychology shit about jealousy. All right? Because, you know, she can kind of feel that her, him and the the Kirsten girl were kind of like flirting a little bit with each other. And um, this is when they figured out they're going to about to call somebody, but then their phone's not not hooked up. And this is when that evil guy comes in here saying like, yeah, the this guy's always talking about, cause every time he comes in here, it's all these conspiracy lines. Everything he's saying. Um, talk about vibrations. Talk about um, the government, you know, is tracing you by the phone and all this stuff. Wayne shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> he's uh, there complaining about shit too. About, you know, and it just, it's just so random. Like the back and forth between all these, all these guys. So Wayne basically goes up to evil when they're yelling at each other saying, hey, you don't know anything about war. I was in the Vietnam War. You're just some little pansy kid or whatever. Has never been in a war before. And Wayne evil just like, you know, shut up and leaves and stuff. And then Wayne goes on like saying like how like he respected Peter's grandfather because even after that accident um, that with the gun and the shots and everything, you know, Peter's still, Peter's grandpa still gave Wayne like a job and everything. So he had highly good respect for him and liked him a lot. Then he leaves. And then Peter is saying like, oh man, I don't know if I can just live up to my grandpa's legacy. And I was just thinking, what the fuck is this guy's legacy? Like fishing? Like being I was a trying to figure guy? that out too. Like, is it just <laughs> like, like of all of this added bullshit they added to this movie, <laughs> there's nothing that explains who his grandfather was or what he did or why he was there. I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know who the grandfather was at all. Alright, so then we cut to that kid from earlier, that annoying kid from earlier. He's playing with yeah. Leroy in his like fishing house, asking Leroy a bunch of questions and everything, and he's I guess the kid's like main mission is to use the stub finder on Leroy's spot out of his head. That's like why he's around him. And Leroy's like, Why are you over here? It's like ten o'clock at night. The kid's like, Ah, my dad doesn't care what I do. He's like, well, okay, well, get your stuff ready. I'm going to go drive you back home. The water's dangerous at nighttime. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So we see the dad. He cannot get his highly expensive boat to work. And he's, like, freaking out about it. All right? And while this is happening, um, Fennel was going to 
uh, I guess, do some nighttime fishing. And he decides to sneak a peek into Beverly's window. And now he sees Beverly flirting with evil. So we find out that, I guess, evil was the baby's daddy. Ooh, and it's one of those drama. complicated relationships where Beverly doesn't want to be around her, but I guess, I guess maybe she's very entertained by Evil's conspiracy theories. I guess so, and his his gun that weighs. Yes, yes, and his M sixteen gun. Yeah. Um. So. So Anna and Peter they talk a little bit about you know the jealousy stuff again, and they uh, they agree that you know they just want to stay together. And they want to be connected with each other. So they have a good connection. And he's, Peter's always talking about his, uh, his problems of, of uh, commitment. commitment. Like he can't commit to being a good fisherman. He can't commit to being a good musician. And he can't commit to love, but he loves her. Fennel's mad because he just saw his woman or his, his fling girl. I, mean, I guess I would be mad too because I'd be like, what? Seriously? But you know. He's all mad about it and stuff. Uh, Peter and Anna, the Peter and now Anna, they're getting it on now. And the the dad is still caught in his boat, his boat, and he keeps blowing the horn. And of course, Finno's mad about this horn being blown. He's like, "Shut the hell up with his blowing this horn." And eventually, the dad gets hooked in the belly. They're like this guy always hits people in the belly. I guess it's a good spot to get. When you're when you're blood hooking yeah, somebody, yeah. So for the uh, for yeah, when you're <laughs> when yeah. you're when you're blood hooking, I guess yeah. that's a good good spot to get. Good. Uh, he has a good stroke with his fishing pole right in the belly. Oh, I see what you I I like see that, what you huh? did there. So he eventually pulls oh. the dad into the lake, and there he goes. Uh, now Beverly is telling Evil that she is upset now, and Evil can't really tell why she's upset and stuff. Talk about mosquitoes and shit, and she basically just tells him to leave. And then I was confused too because she looked happy earlier. <laughs> uh, I was confused. Right. <laughs> so now <laughs> this came out of nowhere. So Peter's all like, oh, "I just can't figure out who's been killing these people." All right. And I, I think I might have figured it out. You know, every person who's been killed has been killed over these like, like these radio frequencies or these like, tones, and everybody who's been killed has some music on them. Mm. All right, I think this killer killer might be Finner. Oh, he might be the killer over here, cause he had grudges with everybody. Beth Anna told me he was a little weird. Remember that plot line that none of you caught, unless you're paying attention to the film. Yeah, remember he was weird. And then <laughs> right. this is when he goes and plays the recordings. So now, uh, after Peter found out that he might suspect that it's Finner. This is when we see Beverly. She's all upset. She plays that record. You know, that Red Echo record or whatever. She goes outside randomly. Mm-hmm. She decides to take a little swim. So she's swimming out there. And eventually she gets attacked on the back with the fish hook. And she's dragged out from there. She's been blood hooked. So now we're back at the fish weighing center. Apparently our poor Danny, he has a 60-pound fish. Everybody calls bullshit on him. They'll open up the fish and yeah. there's a rod in there. And then he eventually, like, he tries to save face of him cheating. So he gets out of there. Peter and all them are trying to, like, go over some, like, see if they can find some evidence, you know, of why Finner is, like, a, you know, a responsible mm-hmm. for these murders and stuff. They they decide also to, to go uh, maybe check on Beverly 
you know, because he know Finner was going to be there, and they kind of want to like disguise himself, you know, like they want to go there and talk to the the Finner, you know, just to see what's going on. So when they get there, they you know obviously don't find Beverly and stuff, and Evil's there too, and they find some stuff like they find part of uh, Finner's like pod, that little tricycle part of it, yeah, and then they find like Beverly's like like hair comb or something like that. And Evil's all like, oh, yep, this 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 proves it. We gotta go kill the guy now. So Peter goes and he calls the sheriff. <laughs> and I love this report. He like called the sheriff. He's like, hey sheriff, like, I think I know who's killing these bodies out here. It might be my friend uh uh Finnell. He is uh or Finner, he is out here and, and I think he's killed everybody. And then uh, the sheriff's like, I don't know if I could deal with, with this right now. People are going crazy over here because we found a sixty pound fish. Okay, so it's more important for us to talk about this 60-pound fake fish than it is finding a dead body. Uh, apparently in this town, yes. <laughs> yes. So Peter's saying, like, you know, it was Tom that did it and everything, and the basically the sheriff wants a body. He's like, no body, no evidence and stuff. We can't do nothing. I mean, this could be why they never solve any crimes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so, like, this is a weird scene, too. So now Peter see, Peter's looking around, and then we have, like, this dong. Did you know, it just came out of nowhere. Like, The Undertaker's dong. It was like okay, I thought movie. that, too. As soon as yeah. I heard it, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, it's like The Undertaker's music. Yeah. So we have Undertaker's dong keeps happening. And this is when we see, like, Finner. He's, like, getting ready to put his boat and everything. He's all, like, pissed off and everything. And then um, he starts drinking and stuff. He's, like, singing this song right outside of Leroy's house. Like, he's, like, trying to sound like a Jamaican guy. He's all drunk. And then Leroy comes out. Yeah. And he's like playing music. Leroy comes out, starts freaking out. And now we find out that Leroy is the killer. This is how we find out he's the killer. Because they don't tell us who the fucking killer is. And it just so happens that this guy is singing and drinking right in front of his fish house. And then we see Leroy mm-hmm. come out with the killer pole. So that's our big reveal here. Mm. And then he eventually starts hooking um, uh, Finner's face and he rips his ear off. Finner runs down and gets, I guess, eventually gets. That's kind of weird because it looks like he like escaped, right? And then he yeah. jumped out, but he didn't swim away. He just like grabbed onto the boat, and then the boat was getting like pulled over. And then we see um, uh, Leroy. He pulls the boat in, and this is when uh, he, I guess, he somehow he killed Finner. And then this is when he guts his face up. He puts a rope on it, and then he eventually guts his body. So he's gutting all these p- humans like fishes. Or boy, Leroy is. So Anna is now drinking whiskey. And she is upset. And she has Evil. And she has uh, Peter looking over her. And Evil's going on saying, she can't handle the pressure, man. Just like your boy Finno. She can't handle the pressure either. That's why he blew up. That's why we gotta blow him up and shit. I was like, fuck, bro. Calm down. Um, so Kirsten's back. She arrives she's like holds on to peter saying like she's just going on miles an hour saying that she was out there swimming somebody tried to attack her she she got Mm -hmm. away she found fennel's boat there was some blood on it and she brought it back here she didn't see anybody she didn't see where the killer was peter asked if it was fennel she said no i couldn't see who the killer was at all and then eventually peter finds fennel's dead ear and it's like you poor bastard so now Peter knows that Finner wasn't the killer. Finner fin, has been killed. 
So now we have another drawn out scene. Lyra goes outside, looks all around. They, bro, like this is the point where it's like, okay, <laughs> did we really need that scene? Can we cut a little bit of this shit? And then we have Peter has another flashback. Okay, can we cut this scene too? All right. Yep. Peter is now going all about that devil's noise. All right. Now he's going all about it. Now he, he figures it all out now. Like we were saying earlier, this is the point where we were talking about, you know, with the, the harmony keys and everything, the rays, um, this de- evil's tone. That's probably what's making this killer, you know, messed up and everything. Uh, it's probably like giving some tone and they go on this vibrations is messing this guy up. And he's like, oh yeah, like my grandpa was playing this song. This plant, this song had some of those vibrations in it. It's 15, 17 years ago when I was coming this thing. That's he's just pretty, pretty much putting everything together. And they eventually realize that old man Leroy, all right, is uh, he had that little metal plate in his head because randomly <laughs> those kids from earlier, you know, with the, the mom and dad that got missing and died, they show up, all right? And the kid was saying like, yeah, I saw some plate in that Leroy guy's head and then Wayne shows up. It's like, yeah, that guy, it can't be him at all. It's not Leroy at all. He was a nom just like me and stuff. He's, it's not him. So he blows off the idea of, of um, Wayne to be about. But of course, Evil and Peter and all stuff is now like convinced that it is this Leroy guy. And of course, Peter's like, the sheriff won't do anything because the sheriff just wants bodies. And he, want, he wants to write his reports. So now they're going to do some investigation. Okay, Peter and Evil go to the uh, Leroy's house, and they look or his fishing house, and they look around. They find a duck whistle, and eventually, after all this stuff, Anna she wakes up. Everyone else is sleeping, like the two kids and Kristen. They're all sleeping. Anna goes by the lake. She plays that fish song, and this is when um, this is when Evil he sees the wedding ring that he gave to Beverly. And they find a bunch of dead guts in buckets. And, of course, Peter's like, oh, the sheriff won't believe us because he wants bodies. He doesn't want all this blood and guts. So, I mean, like, why does it matter? Like, you see human flesh in the refrigerator. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's still evidence, brother. So, like, <laughs> Where's he going to think it's cow meat? Like, what the fuck? So, so Anna's, like, meditation. She's, like, meditating. All right. Leroy shows up. And he casts his little fishing hook of doom. And it gets her hand. She she gets it off. She rips it off. She like ties the fishing pole to like um part of the uh like a hook on there, like a little pole on there. She like ties the whole fishing pole up there and she goes to the lift, but the lift is taking too long. And I I guess somehow Leroy is a master of untying knots from a far distance because he gets the fishing rod out of the pole that was tied up he circles his boat and he's such a good fisherman that he used he can cast his deadly fishing hook over a house onto beverly on a side of house with no problem and he kills her or no he brings her yes he doesn't kill her but he he catches her and brings him brings her back to his lair of fish carving doom with a fishing pole with With a a fishing pole yes I mean, it makes sense to okay. me. So. Sure. 
the Peter and Evil there, they hear that they hear that uh, um, Leroy's coming home, so they leave. And then Peter just shows right up to the house, looks all all around for Anna, can't find her at all. And he he goes outside to the uh, place that she was at meditating, sees her shoes in the in the jukebox, and he's all pissed. He's like, "Oh, he has her. I'm gonna blow her head off. I blow his head off now." All right. <laughs> Uh, and Peter says, and then like Evil's trying to like calm it down. He's like, yo, we need a plan here, man. We need a plan. Right, we got to do proper tactics, man. This guy's good. We got to do proper tactics. And Wayne shows up out of nowhere. This guy just shows up out of nowhere all the time. And this is when we get a weird, weird scene. So Anna is in the, this is actually like, this is probably like the most, to me, this is like the most disturbing part of the movie. And it was Anna. She's like tied up in Leroy's fishing house. And Anna's like talking to him, like she's like, "Yeah, I know you want to. I know you having some hard feelings. You want to kill me and stuff, but you really deep down really do not want to kill me right now. You know, I know you got some frustrations and stuff, and and your life is probably not going as much as it is. But you don't, you don't, you don't want to kill me right now. Like, I was just like, this is kind of creepy. And like, why she's use the psychology on it? Yeah, she's trying to use like psychology on him. Why he's like getting his gutter knife <laughs> washed up i was like okay that's a little creepy <laughs> so now we have peter and evil they're trying to convince wayne that leroy is the killer and stuff lane uh, uh wayne just like no no he's not and then eventually um evil's like listen i found beverly's ring at his house and wayne's still like oh it could have been anywhere but then the kid's like, well, yeah, well, I found the magic bullet. He's like, what magic bullet? He's like, yeah, the magic bullet. He's like, where'd you find that kid? He's like, I found it in, found it in Leroy's house. And then eventually, this is this is all the evidence Wayne needs, because he thought that bullet was never taken out, of right of the grandpa Peter's grandpa, but it was, and Leroy had it the whole time, and now Wayne's like. Let's, you know, he wants to just go there and shoot his ass. But then they, they want to use Peter as bait. Okay? So what the plan is, was Peter was going to go onto the boat. He was going to play a song. He was going to lure out uh, Leroy. And then once he got lured you know, out, Evil and Wayne were going to go and like shoot him and capture Leroy. Okay? That's the plan. Does yep, everybody follow what the plan is? At first, Peter was hesitant, but he's like, okay, I'll do it. So this fucking Peter guy, he goes out on the boat, right? Goes all the way up mm. to Leroy's house. Anna's in there, begging, like fucking like, not necessarily begging for her life, but like, she's like saying, he's like, oh, you don't want to put me in that fridge. You really don't want to kill me right now. You don't want to put me, oh, you're putting me in the fridge. Okay, you're putting, I'm a grown adult. I could take death. I, I could die like an adult. It was, it was like the weirdest dialogue, you know? Like, it was got a little bit, like, disturbing. So Peter's out there, right? He's on the boat. He's like, okay, I'm going to play this song. He plays the song for two seconds, and he stops. <laughs> and then he just, like, stands there. And then we cut, and, and then we see Wayne, and it's, like, the next morning. <laughs> and it was, like, Wayne and, like, evil, like, oh, that guy pissed out, basically. Like, what the hell happened, Peter? He pissed out. And then, like, we see, like, I guess Peter was just there right by the house the whole night, while his love was like in a refrigerator, locked up in Leroy's house, and he was too much of a pussy to lure this guy out. And then fucking Leroy just drives by him on the boat with his girl with his Anna's like dress. 
And Peter's like, oh, you bastard, I'm going to kill you. I was like, well, what the fuck, bro? What are you doing for like five hours at nighttime? Just sitting there. So Peter now goes back. Looks like he's going to bed. And Kirsten's there. They're touching each other. Looks like they're about to make out. And then Peter just leaves. And I was just like, what is going on here? Like, the psychology of this is so weird. Like, e- like e- even, so what you're telling me is Peter's so much of a pussy that he doesn't try to help out his love, you know, because he's scared to confront the dangerous Leroy. And so now he he had, now he can basically leave her there alone and go. To Kir- so Kirsten doesn't care about her friend getting butchered by this guy. She just cares about sex. I'm just, I was a little confused about this I, particular scene. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Like, that's because this is supposed to be like the 80s horror movie sex thing, right? The, yeah. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I get, I get like, you know, having like a relationship drama within a movie. Yeah. But like, right. I don't think even in real life, like, even if I hated the girl or something and she got, if she got kidnapped and I know, you know, I'm a good person and she got kidnapped by a, a rivalous murder. I wouldn't really think about having sex with her friend. <laughs> you know? No, probably not. No, that wouldn't be like, the first thing. Yet. Yeah. I mean like, so, you know, she's gotten kidnapped and you know who did it and you're supposed to like help her yet. You pissed out and now you want to go sleep with her friend. I mean, this guy's kind of a, <laughs> that was a little weird. So he, yes. I guess he finally thought about it and that's why he left. So now we have Wayne. He goes to the sheriff and he's complaining about Leroy. And the sheriff kind of blows him off saying like, you know, I like Leroy. He would never do all that kind of stuff. And then, um, so, you know, Leroy also too, he also won the contest. So Leroy had the biggest pound fish um, during all this coral of what's going on. He probably stuffed the fish with a bunch of human body parts probably. Um, yeah, so yeah. So, and then the... So the sheriff basically blowing off Wayne saying like, you know, hey, you know, you know, I, I know you're friends with Leroy and stuff. And Wayne's like, yeah, I'm friends with him and stuff. But like, you know, this is not about that. Like he's been killing these people. And he's like, no, you're not. You guys are just rifles. Like you, you guys will just say anything. You, you know, you'll just say anything to win the contest and stuff. So like it blows them off. So now we see Peter and Wayne. Wayne basically just wants to go there and blow fucking Leroy with a shotgun. And Peter's like, hold on. It's like, I need you to teach me how to f- cast. And Wayne's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and he's all like, yes, I need you to teach me how to cast. And Wayne's like, oh, I see. I see what's going on here. You want to you wanna give him his own medicine, don't you? You want to you wanna hook him. You want to cast him. You want to give him the perfect revenge, don't you? You want to, you know. And it appears like, yes, I'm not a, I'm not a, a Van Cleasy, unless I prove I'm a Van Cleasy. And I'm just like, what the fuck is God? So basically, Peter's plan is he needs to learn how to cast so he can fight Leroy. They have like some sort of fish casting battle, except going to the guy and blowing him up. It's like, don't call me Van Cleasy. I haven't fought for it yet. So now he, so I guess it only took about four hours for for Peter to learn how to cast because we're already at nighttime. And we go to Leroy's house, and and Peter's now back at Leroy's house. He's like, oh, I'll make some noise. So he plays a song and everything. Peter comes out freaking out and stuff, 
Uh, well, actually, uh, Leroy comes out freaking out. They both have fishing poles with like a huge, uh, you know, that, a bunch of hooks on it. And they like, like, I don't know what happened, but like Leroy like got the best of them. Like he fucking cast first, even though he was brain was hurting. Peter was just sitting there. Uh, the, the, the fish hook grabs Peter's chest. He like drops this whole fish hook and everything is getting pulled. Eventually Peter grabs his fish hook, casts him onto fucking, uh, Leroy, grabs his neck. He's freaking out. Eventually, eventually Peter like passes out from, I guess the hook pain. All right. So like, I guess so. Yeah. So Peter, like, I mean, so Leroy puts Peter on the floor Right next to the jukebox. Not tied up, not nothing. He just lays him on the floor. He's like cleaning up his fisher knife. Peter wakes up, uses the jukebox of doom onto Leroy. He freaks out because he has that little shit in his brain. Um, I, yeah, I guess he hears point. Anna. She's in the refrigerator still. I don't know how she didn't die in there because she was in there for probably like a whole day. I mean, I guess she hadn't... <laughs> I don't. I guess there's air bubbles in there or something. So I guess she got lucky. I, I guess she comes out of there. He grabs her out of there. They drop. They drop the jukebox in the water. All right, and they're like, "Oh shit!" So Leroy grabs his fish hook and knife. He's about to stab their asses, and then the police siren shows up, and of course his brain starts hurting for all those siren noises. And then we cut to a scene of the police car outside. Then we cut to a scene of a jeep right next to that big-ass fish display. It's Anna, Kirsten, and, and uh, Peter. They look at the fish. They look out, and they drive, they drive away. <laughs> then we have Wayne talking to the sheriff. Sheriff's all like, all right, Wayne, I need your help out here. You know these woods better than anybody. Wayne's like, I don't know them better than anybody. I don't know them better than <laughs> Leroy does. And we cut oh. on the water. Then we hear some screaming. And I was like, there is no way that these motherfuckers thought there was going to be a sequel to this movie. And that's it. And now there's Blood Hook, everybody. Wow. The Blood Hook. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, what long. are your thoughts? It's so, way too long. So, first of all, I didn't really need to see the Blu-ray version of this movie because it was a little too long. <laughs> they definitely had a lot of fillers. Um, so what I thought about my personal views is I like the way it was like kind of filmed. Cause like I said, it reminded me a lot of, uh, blood rage, just the way the whole dialogue and stuff was filmed. And some of the acting was very yeah. similar to that style too, which I, I, I like that style. I think it's, you know, I think it's nice. Uh, some of the music was pretty good in the film. Um, I do like some of the over top, over the top characters, um, not all the, the scenes were like, you know, the bloody scenes were all that spectacular. I like, I don't really know why we had to make this like a X rated movie or anything like that. Right. Um, Unless it was edited, you know, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is the edited version that got an R rating. So maybe it was edited down more, but I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah I mean, I think the big thing for me is it's just too long. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 one the the one we watched was definitely a little too long. Like, you definitely could have cut off a couple of shit off there. You know, there was one scene I forgot to mention too when uh, Leroy grabs all his trophies, like they all mm-hmm. look like zombies under the water. Like, oh yeah, the, I saw that. Like the DK bodies and yeah. shit. They all look like like Dawn yeah. of the Dead zombies and shit. 
Right. It's just like they use like leftover zombie masks or something. Yeah. For the... So, you know, not a bad. Uh, I never thought I'd see a uh, a whole horror movie with a deadly hook, fisherman hook, with apparently like rays or devil's rays can make this man go insane or have some PSD. So, you know, had a, uh, a very interesting plot to it. Um, some of it was a little overbooked. But, um, you know, I thought it was a fine summertime fish hook movie. So, it was okay. I'll give it an okay one. What about you, Allison? Any final thoughts on the blood hook? Uh, I mean, it was, I just think it was way too long. I was really bored with it. I think if, the, if, if it was cut down to like 90 minutes or so, or even 80 minutes, it would be better. Um, I mean, it's a trauma movie, so you can't expect like, you know, a quality filming out of it. I mean, their movies are supposed to be, you know, cheesy and stupid. Um, it's just that, I don't know. I think it could have been good. I mean, Blade was better than this. Blade was smarter than this, I think. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think it, I think it could have been better. It would have been better if it was shorter, but it's still kind of stupid. And I just, I mean, I didn't hate it. Um, it was okay. (laughs) I I won't watch it again is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's like the tale of the Van Cleese clan is not, not in your, uh, not in your books anymore. So no, but everybody join. No sequel. Yes. No sequel. No, uh, no blood hook to revenge of the Leroy or ain't fishing around no more. Ain't fishing around no more. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this one was called blood hook. You can't worm your way out. That was the tagline oh. from the movie. So maybe blood hook wow. too can be, you know, uh, no fishing around or fishy business. You can make a couple different ones. But anybody, anyway, everybody, join us here next week as we finish up the January month talking all about killer objects in 1980 horror movies. You know, we've been to the we've been to the golf field, we've been mm-hmm. to a construction website, we've been to a lake. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. brother, now we're going to be entering a mall because oh, we're yeah. going to be talking all about chopping mall, brother. Yeah, finally an actual good movie. Ooh, Chopping Mall is great. I've actually never seen Chopping Mall, so I'm going to be pretty excited yes. talking all about this you'll one. Like, you'll like this. Next week. And of course, on next week, we'll give you the whole list for February. Mm-hmm. Plus a special Lights Out episode we're going to be doing in February, too. So a lot of fun stuff happening this year with the Retro Blood. Everybody, check us out. Like I said, Facebook, YouTube, check us out on everything. Just search Retro Blood, all the major podcast platforms. And Allison, what are you going to be listening to? to end this episode man we got to go out with some judas priest right because that's what we talked about earlier uh let's play my favorite judas priest song the sentinel Ooh, the sentinel brother yes just like our boy uh wayne you know he is yes wayne he is uh he's a sentinel when it comes to catching those fish brother he ain't playing around he doesn't want to hear those headache machines anymore brother he just wants to get in there and get it out he just wants to blow people up yep so, yep, yep. All right, everybody. We will check you here next time on the Retro Blood. See you later. See you. Welcome to the 